thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet number 11. As fast as thou shalt wane, so fast thou growest in one of thine, from that which thou departst, and that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst core thine when thou from youth convertest. Herein lies wisdom, beauty, and increase. Without this, folly, age, and cold decay, if all were minded so, the time should cease, and threescore year would make the world away. Let those who nature hath not made for store, hash fe- harsh, featureless, and rude, barrenly perish. Look, whom she best endowed, she gave thee more, which beauteous gift thou shouldst in beauty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. That was roughly sonnet number 11 uh, by, by William Shakespeare. I'm Mark Chasley, and I'm I'm joined um, again uh, by by my great friend, and I'm I'm going to let him do his own intro. In fact, surprise, surprise! I'm here again, Mark. I'm here again. Are, my name's you, Jerry Hillis. I, I haven't scared him <laughs> off yet. Uh, and that was Sonnet Eleven. We're still firmly in the middle of the the procreation sonnets, um, and and this one seems to have a, a nice. Uh, I kind of view around nature and, and printing seems to be the two main themes of this sonnet. Uh, do you agree with that? Well, we had the, uh, so we were just talking before we started recording about the printing. I did just look it up and apparently the um, the first uh, newspaper sort of handwritten one they had in Venice that was published in 1556. Okay. And then the, the one that we, from today's point of view, historically, we consider the first actual printed newspaper was published in 1605 okay so that that would have definitely been around by shakespeare's time we we were we were having a chat before we recorded this about um printing and obviously the the gutenberg press had started and been around for a while but we were having a discussion about how prevalent printed material would have been in in shakespearean times and if i guess that proves that printed material would be quite commonplace or or if if not in everybody's reach, it would have been known to everyone. Well, it has been, as we said, it, it has been around for roughly 200 years. Gutenberg did it in, I forgot again now, 1439. 14. 1439. Yes. And apparently the first one was a German newspaper. Excellent. Good. Pu- published in France for some reason. A German paper published in France. That Yeah. Which I I don't know. Strasbourg might have been German at the time because obviously borders shift and yes. But the the so the the printing comes in at the end. Um, it's talking about nature, nature as as an entity. Look whom she endowed. She gave thee more. Which bounteous gift thou shouldst in bounty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. So it, it's it's talking about copies again, and it's talking about uh, making a copy of yourself. So again, we're back to this idea that the the child that you have is is you. It's you reborn. It's not a new person. And and I still find this a really interesting concept that that I don't know if it was Shakespeare taking a lot of liberties with what people believed or whether it was what people actually believed, but the idea that your child is you reborn, uh, 
it's very interesting to me because they're obviously not you are, are they not or am i being naive i haven't been around that many small kids but they don't seem to be little copies of their parents it is an idea that pops up in shakespeare again though because in um all's well that ends well he does the uh he does the same thing you have the uh the king who says uh, such a man might be a copy to these younger times which followed well would demonstrate them now but goes onwards so that that is a uh, an image that Shakespeare uses quite often just having a copy of uh, of the father the children being the copy of the father so, so maybe it's a, a Shakespeare thing rather than a society in Shakespearean times ideal that, that he it, I, yeah it, it certainly looks that way obviously as we we've established we're not historians <laughs> yes we we know we know exactly what we're talking about i i, I do think I, do, I will eventually get around to and if any listeners know anyone connected with the world of shakespeare do do get people in contact with us because i'd love to have guests on this who can tell us how wrong we are essentially that would be great i'm quite happy to have conversations start crying at all the uh <laughs> Stupid things we say. No, no, that's not a euphemism for masturbation. Where on earth are you getting that from? And then we can be exposed. You two just shut up for 15 minutes and let me talk. Yeah, it'd be good. I think it'd be good for the show. Um, (laughs) Anyway, sorry, back to Sonnet 11. Um, So uh, the the nature part of it is is, is nature is uh, an entity, a person, a a female who who controls nature, which is quite an established idea in, in... in poetry, in in literature, in in historical uh, myths and stuff, I think I guess it's calling upon that idea of of, of nature being a person. Well, you have the whole uh, Gaia theory, Mother Earth nourishing the. Uh, well, I'm not quite sure when that first. Oh, Gaia is quite old, uh, Greek, so that that Shakespeare would have known about that. Yes, yeah, uh, because a lot of his stuff is is Greek derivative. Yeah, yeah we're talking again about his life is folly and as he gets older he's he's wasting it and and i think that's coming into it and and we got the reference again to three score year uh, would make the world away so the idea that 30 is a very old age to be um in in this time and if you haven't got kids by 30 you're doing something very wrong which is definitely different to modern day thinking well, I mean, as as we said before, age um, expectations were uh, fairly low from today's point of view. Yeah. I mean, you could, if you forty, you were basically that, that was your deathbed. You were just done. I mean, there were obviously always the uh, the odd case where people turned seventy or eighty, but they were probably very, very rich and very, very lucky. Well, yeah, you haven't even like in ancient Egypt, you had some pharaohs that turned like 80 and you just well yeah they would pampered life and bathed in milk and all that sort of stuff yeah so, so they didn't stress it's pretty much the decline even i mean i can't remember is it 20 from 25 onwards as a male you're pretty much i mean it's downhill biologically from there thanks this is a this is a comforting conversation for me well i'm over 25 as well so <laughs> Um, yeah, I, 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 well, at least in terms of uh, sexual terms, 25 for a male is peak, um, I believe. So, yeah, we, we don't know who these are being addressed to, but they're definitely being addressed to someone who's young. Um, they're nowhere near 30. I would imagine they're in their early teens. Yeah. Which, again, makes it creepy. 
Yeah, again, creepy from well, yeah, creepy from today's point of view. But at the time, you did get married when you were. I mean, they had girls married when they were nine. Yeah. Which, which I mean, there's no arguing that that's wrong. But it it was just a re- cultural, sociological reality that Shakespeare lived in. Yeah, it, uh, I mean the. You have the the EDL in this country, the English Defence League. For our, uh, if anyone's living from a, listening from another country, are a very right wing nationalist party that no one votes for, thankfully. Um, but they they keep going on about um, Islam coming in and destroying our country. And one of their big selling points is that the the Prophet Muhammad was uh, a paedophile because he married a twelve year old, completely ignoring the fact that uh, at that point in history that was. Fairly normal. I think for... I'm pretty sure there were British kings and princes that married uh, younger girls. So, so from from today's point of view, that's wrong with a capital W. It's not something you do. But uh, I mean, you have to judge these things in the time when they were around. So, yes, Shakespeare is essentially telling a very early teen to go out and have sex and have children. But that's absolutely fine. It's just a little bit creepy. <laughs> oh, there should be a video, but just your face right there is is that it's absolutely fine. It was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yes. What what other things do, have you? Can you draw from this? I'm going to hand this over to you because I've got enough. I mean, I quite like the uh, herein lives wisdom, beauty, and increase. Without this folly, age and old, um, cold decay. I quite like the opposition of um, you, you are wise and beautiful and all that stuff now, but the, the, the decay is almost part of you already. It's, I mean, it's happening. Every moment that you waste, it's only going to get worse. You, you have no time to waste. Yes. Yes, harsh, featureless and rude, barrenly perish. Uh yeah, you are perishing. You are dying. Everything's running out. Definitely want to what you want to hear when you were uh, a teen. Yeah, a young Because we we get told a lot. The, the the modern prevailing thinking is that teenagers think they're immortal, and and then here's Shakespeare coming in, going, "Nope, everything's dying. You're going to die. You're getting uglier by the second. Go out and have sex." He's not not what you want teaching kids. In the well. World. I guess it is today is quite normal that teenagers consider themselves well not maybe not consciously but act like they were immortal just because there is still so much life after their nineteen twenty you you can st- I don't know what the life expectancy is exactly but you can still live for six decades some live more some live over a hundred years old so yeah the, yeah from being fifteen isn't is nothing so yeah. Young young people um but yeah in, in this point it would have been scary old or getting a half your life 15 might have been and that's Pr- pretty much yeah your half your life is done and that's a scary thought i don't like that thought i'm gonna let's, let's ignore that <laughs> start losing your teeth and i mean obviously health was worse at the time and it, that that didn't really help that um people did lose their teeth and became weak and quite a lot of sickness and no hygiene and actually did they have what was the hygiene like in Shakespeare's time I, I don't think it would have been brilliant by today's standard it, they they I, they would have been 
stinky, I think, was probably the technical term. There's quite a tangent. When did they invent soap? I think they would have had soap of, of some sort. It, it would have been lye, wouldn't it? This is this is where, where Terry rapidly Googles, and I, I try yeah, desperately I... to fill dead air. <laughs> <laughs> there are no... I, I'm quite upset. I, there's, there's, there's quite... I'm just putting it into uh, Wikipedia. There's, there's a lot of different completely unrelated articles about soap. Excellent. Just, oh, there we have. The, I, I was quite upset with this on it, that there are no... I, I don't think any nice turns of phrase in this. Um, there's nothing that really jumps out at me as being particularly nice. In terms of poetry, it's got the the references to nature and, and the very, very nice, I think, reference to the printing press. But there's no... The use of language, I think, is lacking compared to some of the other sonnets we've seen. At least it's, it's definitely no uh, have, have traffic with thy own self in this one. <laughs> yes, I should... I really, we really need to... With thyself alone. Um, what did, have you found out? What have you found out about soap? It, it, it doesn't say. There's weirdly enough, there's no article about actual hand soap on Wikipedia. I, I don't know why. There's apparently there's a programming language called Soap. Okay, didn't know I've learned I've learned that much today. Simple Object Access Protocol. Okay. And yeah, there's medical charts. There's a short oligo. Oligonucleotide analyte. Oh, I'm not even going to say that. A bioinformatics package used for the assembly and analysis of DNA sequences. Excellent. But no, no soap. No soap. Well, we're going to presume they were they were fairly dirty people. They, yeah. They lived in houses, uh, and then they and it wasn't communal living then as well. It was separate houses for families. So I, I don't think it was atrocious. I just don't think it was particularly great. I mean, from, from what I've seen of the, the, the bits that are sh- still standing, and I mean, obviously you can go see Shakespeare's houses and that sort of stuff. It, it, it didn't look like they still had animals in there and that sort of, to, uh, oh, it's to warm the place. And they, they had actual beds, yeah. obviously, because that's the, the, the sleep tight saying comes from Shakespeare's time and that sort of... Uh, it does tighten in the bed strings up before yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yes, if if I mean we're on Sonnet Eleven, but if anyone does get the chance to go to Stratford, I, it's a wonderful place to to walk around and and you can see it's a very very historical place. Um, Especially even, now, I love Stratford in the winter. It's really really nice. It's it's lovely. You've got the river running through it, and you can sit on the bank and watch people who don't know how to row attempt to row backwards. It's so funny. And they've actually now that the uh, the bit around the uh, the theatre is done and. That building is all up. It's actually a really, really improved part of the place now. Yeah, I agree. I went there this year. It's lovely. Um, let, let's, I'm going to hand over to you so you can read the sonnet. Um, God. <laughs> uh, at least it doesn't have uh, that word you just tried to pronounce from Wikipedia on it. So, I Yeah, I'm not good with uh, biological terms. <laughs> right, sonnet 11. As fast as thou shalt wane, so fast thou growest in one of thine from that which thou departest, and that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst call thine when thou from youth convertest. Herein lives wisdom, beauty, and increase, without this folly, age, and cold decay. If all were minded so, the times could cease, and threescore year would make the world away. Let those whom nature hath not made for store, Harsh, featureless, and rude, barrenly perish. 
Look whom she best endowed, she gave them all, which bounteous gifts thou shouldst in bounty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. Excellent. I have to say, you reading that, there's a meter that came through that I hadn't noticed, and, and yeah, you... Yeah, very good, very well read. Well, all of Shakespeare's co- um, poems have, uh, what's the term now? We get academic, but they, they all have a very um, the certain meter. I am bit pentameter. Hmm? That's the one. That's the one. Which is the ten syllable as it goes through. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes it, it falls out of that, and, he, and you can get very academic studying where he goes into it and where he drops out of it, and reasons why, um, which I, I find fascinating, but not from a me analysing it point of view, from reading the analytics. It's definitely a very interesting part of his poetry, but... Not for now. It's not, not for this podcast. Exactly. I don't... It would... Yeah. Unless people I like rambling sleep. on here. Yeah, exactly. Unless people need a... How to go to sleep or going to sleep with Shakespeare sonnets? Um, we don't need to look at that. Anyway, if you want academic analysis, there's the analysis. There's more than enough of that out there. Exactly. This is for his masturbation analogies and and us basically trying to work the word sex into as much of this as we can. Um, We're doing quite well. We are. We are very well. Um, that was sonnet number eleven from Shakespeare's sonnets. I've been uh, Mark Chatterley. And I have been Thierry Hillis. And we will see you again next time for Sonnet number 12. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hillis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com